This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I'd like to discuss something that we have discussed in the past, but with a totally new mahalach of how to see it. We know that matzah is the poor man's bread. Matzah is the prisoner's bread. Halach ma'anya, this is the poor man's bread that we eat, that we ate in Mitzrayim. When it comes to Pesach, this bread, which is the poor man's bread, actually represents the bread of freedom. You must lean. I'm sure Rabbi Shlas taught you that you must lean when you eat the matzah. And if you don't lean when you eat the matzah, you've got to eat more matzah. You've got to eat the kazais matzah again. You must lean. It's more important to lean by the matzah than it is by anything else. Why are we leaning by matzah? Why are we showing? Why are we, why are we feeling freedom when we eat the poor man's bread of affliction? You get the contradiction? Good. The same thing is for Mara. The same contradiction we see throughout Leil Seder. There's, a, there's an opinion. It's not accepted. But there's a minhag that had, people had that just like you're not supposed to eat matzah on Erev Pesach. You know why? Because you're supposed to look forward and enjoy the matzah in Leil Pesach. So therefore, you mustn't eat matzah on Erev Pesach. Some people had a minic not to eat moror, not to taste moror in Erev Pesach, in order to keep the enjoyment, keep the excitement for eating real bitter moror for the night of Pesach. What's the excitement? Who's excited to eat moror in Leil Pesach? It's bitter. You see this whole concept that we're taking things that are bitter, poor, affliction, and we're turning it into something that's so gishmak. What's going on? Where's the first time Mitzrayim and the Egyptian exile is mentioned in the Torah? It's mentioned in the Torah at what's called the Brisbane Hapsar. This is, you look it up at the end of Parshas Lech Lecha. At the end of Parshas Lech Lecha, Abraham, Avram Avinu, complains to Hashem, you've given me riches, you've given me cattle, you've given me wealth, I don't have any children to pass it on to. I don't have children. What's the point? Ma titanli, he says. What do I need all this for if I've got not, no, nobody to give it to? So Hashem enters this covenant with Avram Avinu to promise him that he's going to have children. And Hashem is promising him. And in that promise, Hashem says to him, listen, you're going to have children. But you should surely know, and I'm translating the Pasuk, that these children are going to be strangers in a land that's not theirs. They're going to be enslaved. They're going to be afflicted for hundreds of years. Continues the Pesach, V'gam. And also, says Rashi, Hashem told Avraham Avinu, not just the Egyptian exile, all the exiles. Hashem, Avraham Avinu saw in this prophecy, all the hardships that we're going to endure for thousands of years. But Hashem ends the Pasuk in the Nevoah and says, don't worry. At the end of the day, it's going to be good. So basically, what's the structure over here? Avram is upset. He's got no children. Hashem says, don't worry, I'll give you a child. They're going to be enslaved, persecuted, beaten. For generations upon generations. But don't worry, the end is going to be nice. <laughs> How would you reply? I don't need your children and I don't need your suffering. <laughs> I don't, want to bring, I, don't, I don't want to bring a nation into this world if that's what they're going to go through. What was God exactly trying to do over here? Was he trying to cheer up Avram Avinu, who didn't have children, and now he's promised that he has children? 
What was Hashem trying to do here? Make Avram feel good? I, I suppose so. So why is Hashem telling him now? What's the significance of Hashem telling him right now? Let Hashem first tell him, you're going to have a children. They're going to be a big nation. And you know what? At the end of all times, they're going to be the only nation around. But why does Hashem have to go on and on how much they're going to suffer? Good question? Good. Where was Avram Avinu when Hashem told him all this? Avram Avinu received this prophecy according to one opinion that Rashi brings. And Rashi usually delves on Pasha Pshat. And here Rashi brings a Medrash. And Rashi says on the Pasuk, Hashem took Avram Avinu outside to share this prophecy with him. What does outside mean, says Rashi? Hashem took Avram Avinu out of this world, out of the galaxy, out of the orbit system, until Avram Avinu is looking down on the stars. Going to be pretty high for that, no? He's looking down on the stars. Why did he have to receive this prophecy when he's out of this world, when he's outside of this world? Why couldn't Hashem told Avram Avinu the same prophecy when Avram Avinu is sitting in his dining room? But the answer to all this lies in a beautiful, beautiful chapter in the Maharal. You've all heard of the holy Maharal Niprak. You've all heard of him because he built her. What did he make? Very good. You're well versed. That's one of the things he did. Besides making a golem, he wrote a lot of books. <laughs> and one of his books, which is one of his fundamental books, is a whole book just about exile and redemption. Golus and Gula. That book is called Netzach Yisrael. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book. Like all his books. He's got, he's got one on Mitzrayim, on, on, on Pesach as well, Gvoris Hashem. All his works are, are fundamental, are fundamental and, 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 and mind-boggling. He writes over there in the Sefer Netzach Yisrael, I believe in chapter 20, Perk Chof. And Maral says the following. We begin the Torah by saying, Bereshus, the world was created, Bishvil Yisrael, Shanik Bereshus. The whole world was created for us. To the Jewish people. And yet the Jewish people are the only nation that never seem to make it. We are a nation that's drifting and wandering and getting thrown out from country to country, from continent to continent. And it looks like we're making it really big. We're, it looks like we're almost, at, we're almost at the peak. Boom. In Spain it happened. In many places it happened. Why can't we reach perfection in this world? The whole world was created for us. So why is it that we suffer? Why is it that we never make it? And we're always, we're always passengers. We're always moving. We're always travelers, nomads, going from country to country. The communities in Eastern Europe, unbelievable. And then boom, Holocaust. Now they're in Western Europe. Now we're in Western Europe, all over the world. Says the Maharal, you saw that every person has to internalize before Pesach. Because this is a Yisod for life. And he says, Olam Hazer is this world. Zer means this. Olam Hazer is a temporary world. Whoever reaches his peak in this world, that's the end of him. He reached his peak in a temporary world. So he became peak temporary. You become spitz temporary. But you're going to go, that's it. You'll reach your climax and then you'll fall. An apple doesn't continue growing forever and ever. A flower doesn't continue growing forever and ever. Everything in this world reaches a peak. And after that peak, it rots. 
like a person, like an apple. Woe to the one who reaches his peak in this world. The Jewish people are an eternal people. And Hashem is going to ensure, as hard as we try to reach a peak of success in this world, Hashem is never going to let it happen. Because we are an eternal people. And the only reason why we go through exiles is to drive this message home. And in many, many cases, we were close to reaching our peak. But Hashem is not going to let it. He loves us. And we are here forever. And because we're here forever, and this world is not here forever, it's only Olam Hazeh, but the Jews belong to a different world, is therefore Hashem is not going to let us reach our peak in this world. And that's why it's true the world was created for us, but this world is a transit lounge for us. And just like you've never heard of a billionaire that takes all his furniture from home to the airport, because the first class lounge is not comfortable enough. So he has a truck that brings all his furniture for those two hours that he spends in the airport. Have you ever heard of such a thing? No. Well, so too, this is how we view our life here in this world. We are transient passengers. And this must be, otherwise we won't make it to the eternal world. We're traveling through to this world. There are many empires that reached the peak in wealth and power. And the first one was the Egyptian empire. I mean, the first one we, we, we record in history. The Egyptian empire. The Egyptian empire was the world empire. I've been to the Cairo Museum. You've got no idea what wealth there is there. You've got no idea how much gold there is there. Mind-boggling. Golden coffins, golden chariots, golden everything. They were so wealthy. So powerful. Is there anything left of them now? Nothing. There's a country called Egypt, but that's got nothing to do with the Egyptian nation. There was a Roman Empire. The Gemara talks about the Roman Empire as, it's, as if it's going to last for the next 200,000 years. And they shackled us and they paraded us through the streets of Rome. And we were imprisoned and we were being killed. And you ask somebody in the street, they'll tell you this Jewish people is not going to last for another five years, not for another half a year. And the Roman Empire, they have resources for the next hundreds of thousands of years. They're not going anywhere. It's true, they didn't go anywhere. In England, we have what's called the Roman ruins. A stone here and a stone there. A few little rows of stones here and there. Roman ruins, that's all that's left of Rome. And so on for all the nations, because they reached the peak. They reached the highest you can get to in this world. And then the game's over. Because this is Olam Hazer. The Jewish people will never reach that. Never. Because we are destined for a different world. And that's why when Hashem told Avraham Avinu that he's going to have a child, and from this child is going to be built the Jewish people, the nation of Am Yisrael, Hashem took Avraham Avinu out of the galaxy. The nation that I'm building from you doesn't belong down there. They're going to live down there for a number of years. But they don't belong down there. They belong to a different world. And you have to know this. And if I'm taking you out, you're going to receive this prophecy when you're out of Olam Hazeh. Because your children belong to Olam Haba. And the only way they're going to get there is if they suffer on the way, unfortunately. Because it's very easy to get very comfortable in this world. And Hashem is not going to let that happen, as we said. And sometimes we're going to have to be enslaved to remind us. And sometimes we're going to have to be inflicted to remind us. And sometimes we're going to have to be thrown out of the country 
to remind us that we're travelers. We're in the airport. We're on the runway. And when Shiach comes, the plane's going to take us to a different world. But this is not our world. And we really have to be reminded sometimes that this is not our world. And everything that Hashem told Avraham Avinu at the Brisbane Asarim, yes, was comforting for Avraham Avinu. Yes. They're going to be enslaved. Yes. Because that's going to ensure that what's the end of the story? The Achrechein Yetzu Berchush Godel. At the end, they're going to go out Berchush Godel. At the end, we're going to take all our mitzvahs and all our Torah mitzvahs that we performed in this world and we're going to take it with us into the next world for an everlasting world of pleasure and tranquility and peace. That's the story of the Brisbane Absar. Moshe Rabbeinu represents the attribute of Netzach eternity. We're not going to explain this now, but Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov represent Chesed, Gvur, Teferis, Moshe Ar, Netzach, Ahoyt. Moshe Rabbeinu represents eternity. Moshe Rabbeinu has a pair of glasses, not literally, where he looks through those glasses and he sees zoom all the way till the end of all times. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do to an Egyptian when he saw him smiting a Jew? Killed him. Rashi says, before he killed him, how can you kill him? Perhaps later on he's going to have Jewish descendants. So what does Rashi say? You're nodding your head. That's right. He saw till the end of times that he's going to have no Jewish descendants. Nobody's going to convert from this Egyptian. Moshe Rabbeinu sees till the end of all times. Where was Moshe Rabbeinu raised? In the palace of Pari. He was raised in the palace of Pari. And Moshe Rabbeinu was the next in era. He was the next, he was the next in line to become king of the most mightiest empire in the world. And one day he looks out the window. He's probably sitting on a four-poster bed. He probably had a cup of coffee that came down to him from a conveyor belt. And he was living in the beautiful lap of luxury. And he looks out the window and he sees slaves being whipped into building pyramids. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, oh, oh, that's my people. That's where I belong. And he leaves the palace. And the Medrash says, he bends down and he tells the Egyptian, put some rocks on my back. Put these big stones on my back. I want to schlep. You? You're the king's favorite. You're his grandson. You're the son of Batya. Put those rocks on my back. These are my people. What was going on? Moshe Rabbeinu, his attribute is Netzach eternity. How does he feel when he's sitting in the Egyptian empire at its peak? How does he feel? No? He feels that he's almost on the way out. The Egyptian empire was so strong. He feels that this is not a place I want to be. They've reached such a level, such a height of shlemus, of completion in this world. They must be on the way out. If you're wearing eternity glasses, you feel frightened of living in such a palace, of belonging to such an empire. And then Moshe Rabbeinu sees this nation that is whipped, that is enslaved. Moshe Rabbeinu sees Nitzchias. He sees their eternal. They're not making it here in this world. They must belong to a different world. That's where I want to be because he represents Netzach. He represents the attribute of Netzach. Moshe Rabbeinu sees the prophecy of the burning bush. Which bush was it? A rose bush? 
a thorn bush, the lowest. A snare is the lowest thorn bush. And the Medrash says that represents the Jewish people at the lowest ebb. It was an exile, but what was happening to that bush? There was a fire burning. Did the fire burn out the bush? No. It's not being, the fire is not being put out. No, sorry, the snare, the bush is not burnt out. The bush is there like it was and it's burning. It's burning and it's still there. Do you know what the message is? According to what we're saying now, the message is beautiful. Do you know why the Jews are still there? Because they're having a hard time. Do you know why we're still around? Because we're having a hard time. The bush is burning. It's burning. It's punishment. It's din, whatever you want to call it. But the bush is not being burnt. It's not stam, the bush is not being burnt. The bush is not getting burnt because it's burning. The hard times that we have keep us going. And do you know what my proof is? From the Haggadah Pesach. Because these psukim that I translated earlier to you from the Brisbane Absarim, from this prophecy that, that Avram Binu had about his children being enslaved, about them being afflicted for hundreds of years and for hundreds of generations, we recite these psukim in the Haggadah Pesach. And after the words, after the words, everything is going to be good at the end. We begin with a song. We continue the Haggadah with a song. What's Vahi? Vahi is going back to what we just said. What did we just say? That Hashem told Avram that his people are going to be afflicted, enslaved for many generations, and then they're going to be, then they're going to go out with Choshgadal. Vahi Sha'amda. Vahi means this is what keeps us going. Vahi Sha'amda Lavisenu Velano. This is what's keeping us going. When we realize that we're temporary, when we realize that our life is Torah mitzvahs and everything else that we have to do in this world and every other interaction with this world is temporary, we don't try to entrench ourselves and to sink into this world, then we are an eternal people. The night they left Egypt, they were, they, they, they were commanded with a mitzvah of bris mila. What day is mila on the eighth day? Seven represents Olam Hazeh. Seven represents the cycles of seven. Everything in this world is a cycle of seven. Eight is the next world. When a baby is born, right at the beginning of his life, we inject him with Olam Haba. On the eighth day, we inject him with fluid from Olam Haba. We circumcise him on the eighth day. In order that this should stick to him. It's engraved in him, the mitzvah of Mila. In order this should be engraved in him throughout his life. That you're here in this world temporary. There's an eighth day. And that's our world. That's the Shmini. That's the world of Mashiach. That's the eight harp. The eight strings in the harp of Mashiach. Because this is the lesson of leaving Egypt. When we left Egypt, Hashem took us into the desert. Because in the desert you're a nomad and you're a traveler and that's exactly who we are in this world. When a person doesn't realize that, that's the cause for all his sins. When he tries to entrench, when he feels so fixed in this world. So he wants to get the maximum he can get from all the taiva, from all the physicality and materialism in this world that causes his downfall. And therefore after Yom Kippur, when we atone for our sins, we go straight into the sukkah. And we know that Pesach and sukkahs are so connected together, they both relay the same message. 
Sukkahs, leave your house. Leave your fixed house in this world and drill into yourself that we're only travelers and we are living in a temporary world over here, which is the Yom of Sukkot. The more temporary we are in this world, the more connected we are to eternity. Let's get back to now where we began. The mitzvah of matzah is the poor man's bread. It's the bread of affliction. It's the bread of the, that we ate in Mitzrayim. But we lean. We enjoy it. It's so tasty. I think it's miraculous. People, I know in our family, matzahs are matzahs. They go kilos of matzahs go like anything. <laughs> After four pieces of bread, you can't eat any matzah. You can just eat and eat and eat. It's got no taste. What are you eating when you eat matzah? You're eating the bread of affliction. You're eating the bread of poverty. It's so geschmack. <laughs> Pesach is the time where we appreciate that when things are not all easy for us, we appreciate that this is exactly what's taking us to the eternal world. This is what's taking us to our destiny. This is what's taking us to the world of peace and tranquility, to the everlasting world where we're going to sit and enjoy tzaddikim, yoyshvim, anenim, izivashchinah. We enjoy the matzah and we lean because we realize that the lechem oini, we realize that Hashem stopping us from, from reaching such a climax, from reaching such a peak in this world, it's so good for us. When we lean on Leil Seder, that's reminding us that there's going to be a world where we're going to lean and sit and enjoy Hashem forevermore. That's the harachimon that we say. In benching on Yom Tov. Leaning on Pesach is going into the next world. We're in the world of Shmini when we lean. And we're eating the matzah because the poverty of the Lechem is what's taking us there. If we'd be all wealthy and all successful in this world, we wouldn't get there. Morar is bitter. But we realize Hashem... The hardships that we have in this world are getting us to our eternal world, are getting us to our destiny. Morrow's bitter, but it's Gishmak. And there's a minute, don't eat Morrow on Arab Pesach, so that you should eat Morrow, you should have your appetite to eat Morrow at night. That's the Yom Tov of Pesach. When we're sitting at our Seder table, we're sitting at a table of Lasid Lavoy. We're sitting at the table of after Yemaisa Mashiach. And we're looking back of thousands of years of exile, not just the Egyptian exile. The story we're telling over is, 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 is the history of the Jewish people in this world. And we're commemorating and we're thanking Hashem that all the bitterness and all the poverty that we had brought us here. That's what Pesach's all about. That's why it's called Pesach. Pesach means to jump. Rashi says that Pesach is a Russian diluk or kvitza, to jump. Because on Lel Pesach, we're jumping into the future. Lel Pesach, we're jumping into the Yemaisa Mashiach. We're jumping into Olam Haba. We're eating matzah, which is commemorating Olam Hazeh, the hardships of lives for Jews in Olam Hazeh. And we're jumping into Olam Haba in order that we should appreciate that's why the Jews in Egypt, I don't know if you know about this miracle, but the Targum Yonas and Ben Aziel, 
who's frightening commentary because he, he, he reveals secrets. The Gemara Megillah says he's revealing secrets. The whole world was shaking. He says, listen to this miracle. The Jews ate the Korban Pesach. Where? The night they left Egypt, before they left Egypt. Where? In which country? In Mitzrayim. Says the Tag no. He says an eagle came and he took them all, took the whole Jewish people to Har Habayis, right over here. And they ate the Korban Pesach here, in Yerushalayim. And then he took them all the way back to Mitzrayim, back to slavery. Besides for a nice ride. What's the significance of that? The answer is Pesach, we're jumping around. We might be in Mitzrayim, we might still be in exile. But we're having this feeling of Olam Haba. We have this beautiful, wonderful feeling of Olam Haba. That's what Pesach is all about. And that's why we begin Holach Ma'anya. And Hashatah Hocha, now we're here. Next year we're in Shana Haba, Yerushalayim. We're going back and forth, back and forth. It's living here with a feeling, Hashem giving us the feeling of what it means to live, what it means to live, that's the message of Pesach. How temporary. It's a new outlook. You have to look at life in Olam Hazer. It's a new outlook in planning your life in Olam Hazer. Don't plan your life in a way where the materialism, where the material world is going to be your fixed. And Judaism is going to be your whatever you can squeeze in here and there. On the contrary, when we talk about Torah mitzvahs, we talk about kviyas, kviyas, fixed, kviyas etim Torah. Shabbos is me'ein olam haba. Shabbos is called in the Gemara, kavu of a kaimah, it's fixed. This is all fixed. Torah mitzvahs, this is our eternity. This is our eternity. Shem should help us that we should be zorcha this year, Mitzvah Shem. This year we should be zorcha all to meet together Yerushalayim, the rebuilt Yerushalayim with Beis Mikdoshenu, Besifratenu, with our Beis Mikdosh. We should all eat together from the Korban Pesach and Hashem, and we should be Zorcha to begin the eternal life, the life that we've been waiting for for thousands of years. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.